Hello, friends. Welcome to Heidi's Colorful Colorado. I'm your host, Heidi Ganahl, a wife, mama for CU region, and the founder of Camp Bow Wow and the She Factor. With a passion for keeping the spirit of our state alive and well, I started this podcast to bring the people of Colorado together to celebrate the amazing state we call home. Come along on this journey with me as I travel across our old country roads in my vintage RV, interviewing folks that embody the true spirit of the Rocky Mountains. From the Front Range to the Mile High City to the Wild West of Southern Colorado, we'll celebrate the history, beauty, and Coloradans that make this place the colorful state it is. Each week, you'll meet people trailblazing the way for an even more colorful future for us all, making a huge difference along the way. Are you ready for a Rocky Mountain ride? Let's do this, Colorado. Welcome everyone to Heidi's Colorful Colorado. This is my first go at this and I could not be in a better place right now. First of all, I'm in my happy place at CU on the, the practice field. I cannot wait for football to start again. The other thing that's very exciting about today is that I get to interview a pro. I think I set myself up for this by <laughs> Uh, bringing on a professional broadcaster, not just any broadcaster, but the voice of the Buffs, Mark Johnson. Hi, Mark. Welcome. Well, this is this is quite a treat. I mean, when I think about it here, I mean, the, the first one you've ever done, <laughs> and I get to sit on this side, which is kind of a unique experience, by the way. I'm never the interviewee, so I, I get to field your questions. It's going to be new for me now, too. So All I, right. I'm kind of nervous, to be honest with you. I might be kind of tough. <laughs> Barbara Walters, watch out. Fire I, I away. So. All right, Mark. So lots of Buff fans hopefully are watching this. That's part of my community. Sure. All of us want to know, like, what's your favorite moment of broadcasting throughout the years? You've been here 17 years. You're entering yeah. your 17th season? Yeah, just just finished up the 17th year. My first year here was 2004. I, when I got here, Gary Barnett was still the head coach yes. and, and for a couple of years. Uh, and then, of course, Gary was uh, shown the door, and then Dan Hawkins came in after that. So, it, you know, for a broadcaster, we're along for the ride. Okay, just like fans are. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of lucky if you, you know, you're broadcasting for a successful team. So from in my career, if I look back, in 2003, I was the voice of the Syracuse Orange at that time. So I called a national championship. That doesn't happen very often. Now, so, was Carmelo Anthony on that team? He was, in fact. Oh, my gosh. Carmelo and I got there the same time. I walked on campus virtually the same day that he did. For years when Carmelo was with the Nuggets, by the way, and this is always – it made me laugh every time it happened. I'd go to a Nuggets practice when I was working with KOA Radio, and Melo would walk up, and we'd always reminisce a little bit, and he'd always come up and say something like, man, you know, uh, MJ, since, since we left Syracuse, they haven't done anything. And I'd always say, well, Melo, I think you had more to do with that than I did. Okay, <laughs> I was just watching for goodness sakes. You were the All-American and the most outstanding player of the Final Four. So from a career standpoint, that's the biggest mm -hmm. moment that I've yeah. ever had a chance to broadcast. Now, here at, at Colorado, and listen, you're on top of being and as involved with CU as you are. You're a fan as well. Oh, and, yes. And you know, it's it has been a tough stretch. I got here on, in 04. Uh, my first two years, we went to a bowl game, both with, with Gary Barnett. Uh, then a couple of years later, went to one with Dan Hawkins and then went through that long drought of not going to a bowl until 2016 when Mike McIntyre led us then to the Pac-12 South Championship in the Alamo Bowl. And uh, we're hopeful right now, knock on, on the wood of the chair here, that that's going to be a regular occurrence, right? Yes. So there haven't been a lot of 
you know, high-level moments from a football standpoint. They're great wins. I mean, I think of the, you know, the victory over number three Oklahoma at mm-hmm. Folsom Field, which is a great one. Yes. Uh, obviously. And so there have been some great moments. The win over West Virginia was a great one. Uh, we've had some great conference moments, I think, over the years. But I think since I've gotten here, my favorite memory has got to be the first year of the Pac-12 and the Pac-12 championship in basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, to win four games in four days, the way Tad Boyle and company did. Uh, the year before, had been snubbed to go to the NCAA tournaments. And then the next year, we kicked the door down and say, <laughs> you're not snubbing us this year. We're coming in with an automatic uh, invitation. So uh, that's got to be my favorite moment at, at this point in time with, with many more still to come, I'm sure. Oh, we had an exciting basketball season this year. Yes. I mean, that kept us busy during COVID. We got- and you could see it coming, Heidi. And that was the thing. And I've said about Tad Boyle many, many times. And, and I'll flat out just say it. I'm a, I'm a Tad Boyle apologist. Okay. <laughs> I've had a chance to work around some of the greatest coaches in college mm-hmm. basketball history. Um, very early in my career was at Purdue with Hall of Fame coach Gene Cady. I, I had a lot of interaction with Bobby Knight at Indiana during that, that same period of time. Uh, obviously being at Syracuse with uh, Jim Beheim, who's a Hall of Fame coach uh, in his own right. And I've said about Tad uh, every single time. He's as good a coach as anybody I've ever been around. He's as decent a human being as you're ever going to be around. Mm-hmm. And he does it the right way and it runs an incredibly clean program. And so how can you not cheer for that guy? And then what he's done here, I say all the time, that this is the golden era of Colorado basketball. We're enjoying it right now. 90% of the time you go to the event center, you've got a chance to see a win because that's just about what his win percentage is at home. So, uh, yeah, basketball was phenomenal. We knew this was going to be a great year with McKinley Wright in that group, and and they certainly didn't disappoint. I I wish we could have hung around Indianapolis another week or two, but, you know, that'll come. That's all right. We've got next year, right? That's right. Exactly right. (laughs) You know, my very first football game at CU was the Nebraska-CU game back in 86. Okay. When I think the score was, is it 2010? That that, that broke a long drought, by the way. And I got very spoiled. I thought, well, this is how it rolls. (laughs) And I actually went to SMU before that, my first year. I was there right before they got the death penalty. Oh, my goodness. And so I thought it was very cool to come here and see that happen. You know, because otherwise it would have been an SMU and it would have been a long drought. You know, it's so funny because you talk about in in history such an interesting thing and doing what i do for a living you know it's kind of like being a teacher because the student athletes are always the same age and i just keep getting older you know larry zimmer and i talked about that you know for years uh, you know, they're always 19, 20, 21 years old. Now, every year I get a little bit more gray, a little bit older, and been around a little bit longer. But it's always funny to talk to kids because, you know, at this point, after 17 years, somebody will stop me on campus and say, Mr. Johnson, I've been listening to you my whole life. And I'm like, well, I guess you think about it. They're 19. I've oh, been here 17 boy. years. That makes sense. But the Nebraska thing is always fascinating to me. Of course, we've won the last two against Nebraska, as we well know in Lincoln and, of course, uh, here at Folsom Field. And so I've got kids in the class that I teach that the concept of, is it really that big a deal beating Nebraska? Oh, my goodness. You know, it just doesn't resonate with them like it would for people like that. That's us. not okay that they even say it that way. <laughs> well, they just assume we dominate the Cornhuskers, what? which I guess oh, we have been for geez. a number of years. Yeah. <laughs> we used to have nightmares of red. Right, right. <laughs> which is why I, I tell my students all the time, nobody's allowed to wear red in class. I'll, do- I'll dock you great if you wear red in class. <laughs> so speaking of young people, you have a new young person in your life, and yeah. you have a new job title called yeah. Grandpa. How about that? Oh, she's I know, a doll. It, it's amazing being only 41 years old and being a grandfather, but... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's it's really a stunning thing. We've all heard the great old line, you know, that's been a cliche everyone hears, that if I'd have known how great grandkids are, would I have them first, you know? <laughs> uh, and it's fantastic. Uh, it's uh, She's now seven months old. 
and just cued her in the button. I, I was telling Heidi before we went on here, I said, I tell people all the time, they ask her, she's so beautiful, where does that come from? And I said, well, obviously she got her good looks from me because my wife still has hers. And uh, But yeah, she, she is just a treat, smiles all the time, and it's so fantastic. I just to go and get to go over and spoil her like I did on Easter and hand her back to my daughter and go home. So it's a great deal. Yeah, my kids are still pretty young. Well, I have a 25-year-old, Tori, and then I have twins that are almost nine and 11 year old okay. so i kid with tori i'm like you can wait on the kids thing for a while because i've had enough babies you know recently <laughs> yes i understand we were my oldest is 20 he'll be 30 here this summer and so we, we did have children very young mm -hmm. and both my wife and i our parents were young parents we were young parents we got married by today's standards very young i was what 23 at the time and um and my, my daughter always said she wanted to be a young mother as well. So not as young as we were, but uh, we still you know, have uh, grandkids when they're still relatively young, can really enjoy them. Can still get around that big old ranch you live on. Yeah. So, I mean, Mark, you epitomize Colorado in so many ways. I mean, your voice resonates with us. Um, you love to do Colorado things. Sure. What's the most Colorado thing you've ever done? Wow, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I, I'm when I moved here, and fell in love. And again, I'm from North Dakota originally. Yes. Okay, so I grew up in you know farming and ranching communities up in North Dakota. And when you're in North Dakota, there are no major media markets. Mm -hmm. You don't have a big city in the state of North Dakota. You got Fargo and Grand Forks and Bismarck and Minot. You know, those are larger towns. But you always look towards Minneapolis and Denver. And so, as a young man growing up, I had my eye on one or the other. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking from a broadcasting standpoint. So I'm out in Syracuse, New York, doing the Orangeman, and I get this opportunity to come, and I, I did some Denver Broncos games. That was my first exposure to Denver. Uh, they brought me in to do some Denver Broncos games. That would have been the 2003 NFL season. And shortly thereafter, um, the Orange come through Denver the next spring at the NCAA tournament, and I get talked to about doing the buffs and being the sports director at KOA, and I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I get my choice between Minneapolis and Denver. I'm going to choose Denver. So I got out here and, and fell in love with it. Um, I'm an outdoorsman. I hunt and fish a lot. Uh, I do a lot with horses and roping and those kind of things. And so it's it just fit the lifestyle. I'll tell you a great story. So a number of years ago, there have been some opportunities that have popped up over the years about, hey, would you want to take this job or that job? And so there was uh, one that was pretty significant. And I sat down with my wife and I said, uh, boy, it's a pretty good opportunity. And we hadn't been here that long at that point, probably five or six years. And, you know, we kind of talked through the details. And, and Heidi, she finally says to me, I think you should take the job. I said, really? She said, yes. The kids and I will come and visit, but you go ahead and take that job. <laughs> and so she kind of made the decision right there that, that we weren't ever going to leave Colorado. And, I love that. And now, I, I can't even imagine, you know, I've, I've had a – and I think it's, it's gotten to the point now where – I become so connected here, and people just think of me being part of you know this area and this institution, that I don't even talk to many people about jobs anymore. But every once in a while, somebody will whisper and I'm like, "Now, not a chance." I, I can't even imagine going someplace else and, and not living in the state of Colorado. And tell us a little bit about where you live, because it's really cool. I mean, yeah. the essence of Colorado. Well, we live up uh, kind of southwest of, of Evergreen. If you get nowhere, Evergreen and Conifer are. We're kind of in yeah. a, a third point of the triangle, kind of southwest of Evergreen, up, up back in there. Um, Staunton State Park, a lot of folks will go up and hike that. I live just over the hilltop in Staunton mm -hmm. State Park. So that's, I joke all the time, that's my backyard, you know? Wow. And, and you know, I don't have the biggest place in the world. I always tell people I got five acres, but I can ride five million for free because, you know, the National Forest is not far away. And so it's we're up there a ways, uh, just, just under 9,000 feet. Um, we got to, after that big snowstorm we just got over the course of two weeks, we got about seven feet of snow over there.
that that time period. Oh my gosh, uh, we got a few horses up there and, and the dogs and and uh, just kind of enjoy you know living up in that area. You know, people move to Colorado and they think it's a, really cool to live in the mountains, which mm -hmm. it is. It's also a lot of work. Shoot, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, the first so, time you have to shovel that long, long driveway. <laughs> that, that's one of the great stories. One of the first year we moved up, there would have been 2006, and we got it was. And, and folks may remember this. We had, I think it was six consecutive Fridays, we got hit with like a two foot snow up at our place. And there's a buddy of mine that I worked with at the radio station at the time that lived up not far from me. And I walked up about week number two and said, "Hey, how often is that going to happen? Because you know I'm driving front wheel drive cars, I don't have trucks, I don't have plows or anything. I've got teenagers, so they help me shovel." And he says. <laughs> Oh, just a, a couple of times a year. By about week number five or six, I walked in. I said, you're a damn liar, okay? Because this is crazy, but uh, you get used to it. They, there's an old line up there that if you, if you make it through two winters, you're probably going to stick. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so we've been up there now 15. So. Well, I grew up in Monument. and or, oh, well, you know. I didn't grow I moved from Southern California to Monument when I was 12. Yeah. And the first winter, it was like 78, um, and we had a huge storm. And I remember thinking, like, this can't happen very often. <laughs> and I'm like, geez, you guys picked Monument? to yeah. move to it's like the snowiest place in colorado or like where the front range and the the palmer divide yep. hit each other we live on the, that that same snow path kind of goes over my place and right down is, across monument hill do you know how many concerts i had to miss in denver because <laughs> the roads were it. bad i don't doubt uh, it okay yeah. so as the founder of camp bow wow i've got to ask this question i think you all want to know too because a lot of camp bow wow folks are probably part of my community as well what kind of dogs do you have i've got two uh -huh. okay i've got one it's uh uh, involved in, in livestock like I am, I've got a cattle dog, so it's a it's a healer, half healer, half catahoula. Very smart. Yeah, very smart. Very fast. Very protective. Mm -hmm. uh, a one person dog. Mm -hmm. I, I tell people all the time, and this is kind of a kind of a ranching, uh, I guess, old adage. You, you know, you never touch somebody else's dog, right? Yes. And and I tell people about those healers. They're the kind of animal that gets to know you. You don't get to know them. <laughs> That's all right. a great description. Yeah, and so he's he's one of the two, and then I've got another one that's just about a year old. Uh, I'm a big bird hunter. I go to Kansas, not pheasant all the time, and a buddy of mine out there uh, had the best bird dog I'd ever hunted over, and so she had pups. So I've got oh. an English setter. Oh, uh, they're so beautiful. The the cattle dog is uh, that's Caliber, okay, <laughs> and then the hunting dog is Remington. Oh, and, nice. Uh, she is uh, a bird hunting machine. So those are the two I have right now. And they're behaved. They're yes. Well, well, the one thing, the, you know, the one thing I love about dogs and horses is is their honesty. <laughs> yes. Right? They are. They are. They have no agenda. They live in the moment. And I was always adamant about you know when when you you, you train horses, you train dogs. And they react to you. There, there's a great old line. I don't recall if it was the great horse trainer Ray Hunt or Tom Dorrance who once said, "You tell me about you. Let me see a horse, and I'll tell you about the person." Okay. Yeah. And I think dogs are a little bit like that. Oh shoot, yeah. Yeah, you know. That's what I tell my well, my oldest daughter. I was like, if if you meet a guy, you start dating him, and he doesn't like dogs. Eh. <laughs> Over, especially in our family, right? Yeah. yeah that doesn't go well. You know, I, I once uh, somebody once said that uh, if, if you meet somebody that doesn't like dogs or horses, I wonder about them. If a dog or a horse doesn't like them, I don't wonder about them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, Mark, um, I think we'd like to know, now that you've been here a while in Colorado, mm -hmm. What's your favorite part about the state? Like, what do you tell people that live out of state about Colorado? Like, what's the spirit of Colorado for you? First, I say is we're full. No more room for you. So, so don't 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 move yes, here. Yes, agree. Uh, that's the first thing. You know, it's such an interesting place for me. And growing up in a rural environment like I did uh, as a young man in North Dakota, I, I love the fact that 
you can be in a place and get lost in this state, mm-hmm. right? You can go out, you know, I've gone elk hunting in the flat tops, for example, and you get out in the middle of nowhere. I, I'm involved in, in the you know the Roundup Riders of the Rockies. We do a 100-mile horseback ride every summer. Whoa, that we, sounds painful. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, or, or you go out and you won't see people for four or five days in a row. I, I love that aspect of the state that mm-hmm. you still have those opportunities, but yet, you know, for, for where I live, within about an hour, I can, you know, be in downtown Denver and take in concerts and sporting mm-hmm. events and all those kind of things. So I, I think it's it's such a unique place in that regard. And I, I do uh, I do struggle. A lot of times you'll assume I'm always wearing a cowboy hat. And people always ask, are you from Wyoming or Texas? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you know, cowboys come from Colorado, too. There's a lot of rodeo <laughs> going on here, and I'm involved in a lot of it. And, and so I love the fact that that is still alive and well across the state. And yet there's... That, that front range corridor, people don't seem to understand that or, or even remember the fact that, that that's a big part of the history of this state. Heck no. No, not at all. Right. I know, which is unfortunate because, I mean, that's what I think of. When I yeah. when I moved to Colorado, I remember my first day at school, I wore checkerboard pink vans because I was from Southern California. <laughs> sure. And the kids made fun of me. They thought I was ridiculous. Yeah. And I kind of tucked my tail and went away. <laughs> and um, before long, I switched those to cowboy cowgirl boots yeah. and uh, just fell in love with being outdoors and hiking and fishing and and doing things that I'd never done in Southern California, you know. Right. Well, but, you know, we do have the National Western here, yeah. right, every January. And, well, you know, and that's just not a, a three-week period of time. That That's the history of this state. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten that. And it, it's uh, such a staple and foundation of what we are. I think it's so important to remember that. And that's what I love about it. So you can you can do that on, on, you know, go to the Western Slope or up on the mountain someplace and enjoy that kind of atmosphere. Like I said, I do a lot of uh, rodeo stuff. I do some announcing for different rodeo events. And, uh, you know, then, like I said, head on down and be all city-fied then, I guess, uh, you know, for a night out on a weekend or something. All right, Mark. So what do you worry about, about our state? Is there anything that keeps you up at night or you really are passionate about fixing here? Well, I, I think kind of what we're talking about, the, the fact that, and, and listen, we understand it. We've all seen the bumper sticker, right? Not native, but I got here as quick as I could. <laughs> yes. I mean, you're in that case. I'm in that case. And when you get all these folks coming in and they don't then appreciate what this state is, what the history has been, mm-hmm. what made it what it is. I mean, you think of the state of Colorado, and you've got, you've obviously got, you know, a great Western history. There's a lot of ranching that has gone on here, the mining industry, and all that that meant to what this state is and why it is uh, developed the way it is, and you know what it means and why it's got its beauty and its history. And you can go and, and go to some, you know, phenomenal mountain town and appreciate that. I mean, you know, look where I live outside of Evergreen up there. You know, one of the first couple of uh, uh, original Marlboro men had a ranch right in that area really? right and, and the long you know the old timers around there will tell you that uh you know it was just a cowboy town for a long time you know they used to have a rodeo every friday night here in boulder for goodness sakes down down right near where the the ymca is from what i understand i did not know that yeah every friday night they had a rodeo out of uh, buddies of mine used to come down here and apparently by the way the last thing they do is to see if somebody could ride a buffalo and you could win some money for doing that, okay? And so I love that. That's some great history. We used to kind of laugh with the, the Evergreen Rodeo, which, uh, by the way, and I'll, I'll act like I'm working for the Chamber of Commerce up there, is always a great Father's Day weekend you know, uh, event to go and see. I was a president of that at one point in time. And we used to joke all the time, it's tough to put a rodeo on in a yuppie town, okay? <laughs> but 
And and I, I so what what concerns me is that we're losing the connection with that. Yeah. It doesn't mean we have to live like it's 1865, but let's not forget that that's where we came from, and that's what we're all about, and that's why we are where we are right now. And honestly, Mark, that's why I'm doing this podcast because I think right now with the divisive divisiveness going on in our country yeah. and in our state, the way you bring people together is stories, right. and we all love this state, whether you're new or you've been here forever. We there people are passionate about it for different reasons, but we're going to learn more about our state and and mm-hmm. fall in love with the people if they're even if they're different from us if we hear their stories. Yeah, that's my gut, and so I, it's a grand experiment. I hope it works well, and I am so thankful, grateful to have you as my first guest on the podcast. I couldn't think of anyone better. Well, it's been fantastic, and I, <laughs> I just like sitting over here and not having the pressure of having to ask the questions all the time. Mark, one thing I know about you is that your faith is very important to you. I'd love to hear your take on that, and especially in today's society, like how do you weave that into your life? Well, first, uh, just to give you some background, when I was coming out of high school, I was going to do one of three things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to be a, a broadcaster, mm-hmm. I was going to be a pastor, or I was going to be a high school coach. Okay, those are the things I thought about coming out of high school. Uh, my old joke has been that uh, the Lord knew that nobody knew the Lord more than the media did, so he sent me to the media. So that, that's kind of how I was joked about it. Now, what's interesting about that, Heidi, is is it's kind of come full circle. So, uh, just like anybody else, I've had a you know, you know a faith walk that you know you're very immature and you kind of grow as time goes mm-hmm. on. And the older I got, the more important that got for me. And, you know, I, I come from an uh, interesting background. Um, my wife and I had had some very severe things. I lost my father to suicide when I was 18 as oh. a college athlete. My wife had a, a terrible assault uh, in college in a parking lot uh, about the same time. When we got married, we've got a disabled son. I've got yeah. a, you know, a 24-year-old son who's, who's our forever child. And so you have some enormous, like everybody does, you have enormous hurdles that happen in life. And I don't know how people get through stuff like that without having faith. And so as I grew in that, understanding full well that, you know, on a Saturday afternoon when I take the air, you know, for the Colorado Buffaloes football network, I'm not going to preach, right? I'm not going to be talking about that. It wouldn't be appropriate. That's not what what I'm here to do. And so it's always about the game. But outside of that role, then, that's become a huge part of my life. I, I preach a lot. I, you know, go talk to different groups. I, this summer I've got a couple of weddings I'm officiating, for goodness sakes. And so that's been a huge part of my life and will continue to be. You know, broadcasting has always been a passion, or I should say a vocation, and I love it. My faith has always been a passion. Mm-hmm. And if you follow me on social media, you know, I, Which I, I do. You, you hear this quite a bit. I, I get these messages all the time. You know what? I didn't come to hear about God. Well, that's what I'm about. This is my space right now. Okay, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. You know, talking about the buffs right now. Although I do promote uh, on my social media the Colorado Buffaloes, my granddaughter, my dogs, my horses, and then my face. So that, that's <laughs> kind of what you're going to get from me. But that's always been a huge part of my life, and, and will continue to be my faith in, in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And and uh, you know, when when the broadcasting days uh, are over, uh, maybe that becomes a full time vocation for me. I don't know, but it's it's something that I, I never shy away from. Um, it's something that a lot of times is not always the most popular thing. Um, but I stand by it, and uh, I'm, I'm unshaken in that. And so it's it's going to be something that uh, that is always going to be there, and it's just growing as time goes on. And so um, it's interesting how it came full circle, though, that it was something I thought about as a young man mm-hmm. and then got into the broadcast industry and, you know, thought to myself, well, that's just not going to happen. And then and the Lord kind of brought me back around full circle, and so that that's such a big part of what I do now. 
Well, I think now that you mentioned that you do weddings, you might have a full-time job doing just that <laughs> after this airs. <laughs> you know, bus fans have gotten a kick out of that, by the way. Because oh, they're, my they're always like, wait a second, the guy I listen to do college football and basketball can actually do the wedding? Yeah, yeah. It's it's. although I, I will not scream touchdown Colorado in the middle of the marriage ceremony. <laughs> I guarantee you that. That's hilarious. They, they may have you to bring Ralphie with you. Anyway, have <laughs> you yeah, met the new Ralphie, that, That's going to cost you a lot more if Ralphie comes with me, I'm sure. Have you met the new Ralphie? I have not. Uh, I, but that's the number one question. I get asked all the time, do we have a new Ralphie? When are we going to see the new Ralphie? You know, what's the new Ralphie's name? And so that's uh, that's going to be exciting to see. And I can't wait. Think about all we've just gone through, right, with with football and, and basketball and no fans and cutout fans and all that kind of stuff. We haven't seen Ralphie in over a year. Aww. I mean, I can't wait until this September again, you know, keep your fingers crossed and knock on wood, that we're going to be in that stadium She's going to run. We're going to have 50,000 screaming Buff fans in there. Carl Durrell is going to run his football team out there, and we'll get things back to normal. Well, you are the epitome of Colorado. Like, you're the essence of Colorado. And uh, keep up the great work. Um, And I'm so grateful to have you as part of the Buffs family and part of the Colorado family and to be a friend. It it is my honor to be your first guest. I feel like I've done something special for once in my life. Thank you for joining us today on Heidi's Colorful Colorado. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And definitely follow me on Instagram to keep up with my latest adventures. In the meantime, happy trails from me, Heidi Ganahl.